0: People are going to be weary of shopping uh, and, and, al- and also behaving the way that they used to. So this means that digital becomes more important than ever
1: before. Welcome back to The Zero Hour, brought to you by Safeguard Cyber. I'm George committee
2: I'm Ashley Stone.
1: And today's guest is Brian Solis, digital analyst and anthropologist and now global innovation evangelist at Salesforce. Extremely excited to have him. We've talked with him uh, before in person at some of our own events, but the man is a first rate thinker. You've probably seen him on LinkedIn and he's just got a really clear eyed view of how to process what's going on and its implications for the future.
2: Every time we get the chance to speak with him or hear what he has to say, our brains are just firing. Um, We talk about how digital is more important than ever before and especially in a time where disruption has accelerated digital, how to think about that right now and what that means in the future when you think about it from a human-centered perspective.
1: Yes, Um, there's a lot in here so let's uh, get to it without further ado. This is Brian Solis. Um, So first off, Thank you for making the time. I know you're a very busy man. Um, Very uh, pleased to be able to talk with you again, uh, again since we last spoke in February before the world turned upside down. (laughs)
0: <laughs> still turning upside down, but that's what makes it, uh, all, all the more exciting. It's great to see a familiar uh, face, actually familiar two faces, even though this is a podcast, I'm using my imagination yes. uh, to, to envision that. <laughs> Last evening, we were together in San Francisco at Foreign Cinema, which was really cool. And you should know, actually, just yesterday, I spoke with Orchid uh, again. So it's oh, like nice. getting,
1: getting the band back together one one piece at a time. That's right. That's right. Yes. I um, joked with her that her panelist career is taking off to the extent that basically my LinkedIn feed every other day is her face somewhere. Um, yeah. And so for the benefit of our listeners, definitely go back and listen to the episode with Orchid Bertelson because she is one smart cookie. Oh, she sure is. Um, okay. So... Brian, I am familiar with your work. I, I told you in person, I think I first came across your work when you were at Altimeter Group. I think that was around 2013. Um, and you have extensive experience as a digital analyst and anthropologist of these larger technological trends and how they pertain to your customer experience and also uh, business processes. But you have recently, very recently joined Salesforce as a global innovation evangelist. Could you tell us a little bit more about that role? You know,
0: it's a a really special role and a really special uh, group to be part of uh, within the organization. And it's a really special company, especially in these times. You get to see Someone like Mark Benioff, Shine, and doing so much for frontline uh, responders, uh, donating you know fifty million, I think, in in PPEs. We just launched Work dot com uh, last week to help organizations essentially become digital health uh, care uh, organizations to to be employee first as we start to get back to work uh, and to ensure the best, uh, just ensure. Health uh, is first and foremost for employees and also customers. It's just—it's just so—it's just, so, just so much, uh, so fast. Uh, and in all of this amazingness, I'm—I'm <laughs> I'm trying to do my part, which is look at how, especially these days, how the world is changing. And how organizations need to not only just change along with it, but also get in front of it to thrive in what I'm calling the novel economy. <clears throat> and that was something that was inspired in, in my work at uh, Salesforce, listening to the tremendous resilience that customers are uh, experiencing and that they're exhibiting in terms of how they're, how they're looking at these challenges and how they're changing. And just, I I think this is my eighth week I've been there. Uh, And in eight weeks I have been so inspired that I feel like I'm an entirely new genre. I might as well have been there for eight years already. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am learning so much. The work that I was doing prior to Salesforce and what I'm doing here, I guess I haven't even answered your question yet. What, what I'm doing here is, uh, I, I just, it's, it's like a it's like a control alt delete moment, it's like a renaissance. So specifically, uh, my job is to look for opportunities to help steer decision makers, help steer organizations towards a brighter future for them and their customers and their stakeholders. Uh, that's. A little bit like a, the work I've done in the past, where I've mm-hmm. written research, I've written articles, I've written books, I, I speak at conferences all around the world to help show new possibilities, to help inspire people towards those new possibilities, and help people build bridges uh, between where we are today and where we need to be tomorrow. Uh, and now I have the opportunity not only to do that for Salesforce, but do it at a grander scale with resources that I have never really had uh, to work with. So I am. am you could probably hear it in my voice, and beyond excited at this opportunity. Great.
2: Yeah, I love I love the energy that you're sharing. It's fun and exciting to hear that. You know, as we're all trying to navigate uh, life with COVID, as at the time that we're talking. So, I'd love to know from the perspective of a digital anthropologist, how does life after COVID look for businesses, and what is it going to take to survive?
0: the new normal. First, um, uh, I'm going to give away a little background secret to all of the listeners. We do have video and we can see each other. And I'm very jealous of your light in your room. Uh, <laughs>
1: the,
0: the, <laughs> and, and yours too, George. I, I'm, I'm actually very jealous. I'm in a dark office, uh, which the only light that really emanates here is from my monitor. But other than that, uh, I'm going to take some of that sunlight uh, and brighten my, my day. So the answer to your question is, I wonder as a digital anthropologist and also as a uh, aspiring philosopher, uh, is there life after COVID? Uh, and, and by that I mean, uh, or is it something we live with for the rest mm-hmm. of our life? And it's, it's an important question to ask because it helps, it helps me think in terms of scenarios. Uh, so coming back to the novel economy that I was uh, mentioning earlier, the Novel Economy is, is this name I'm giving this conversation. Uh, it, it, is, it, helps me, it helps me get my mind around it uh, so that I can contemplate possibilities and, 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 and also tangible steps towards something. So when we talk about the new normal, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know what that means other than, yes, things are different. Uh, in some cases, the new normal could be uh, described as Groundhog Day uh, or it could be described as a blank canvas. Uh, to create the future uh, under just disruptive circumstances that no one really saw coming, except for Bill Gates, I guess. And the thing that I would like to, to think about with the novel economy is that, you know, like the virus, it, it just means new and unusual, so that we don't necessarily have a defense mechanism, we don't necessarily have a playbook in order to best respond and in and, and order to best move forward. Uh, I, I talk about things like if we're thinking about going back to normal or if we're basing our future on yesterday's definition of normal, well we really need to rethink that because there were many things in that normal that, you know, we'll put in air quotes, that was part of the problem. So essentially, even though we are disrupted, we're not bouncing back to what we knew. We have an opportunity to bounce forward to something new and that rhymed and I didn't intend it to, but (laughs) the point, the point is that, we have an we have this unique once in a lifetime opportunity to reimagine what we do moving forward
1: the novel economy yeah i think we'd say both opportunity and necessity right because yeah. the stakes are very high for businesses because as you said i don't know that there's a quote unquote post covid there's not just like this you know, the switch goes off and we just go back to quote unquote normal. So new normal becomes normal. And when you have such disruptive forces, not just technologically, but like consumer demand is down, um, people have to work differently. How do you connect with them? I think, yeah, what you're saying is if you were to just return to normal, that we already had inertia problems with that. So how do we, I guess my question to you would be like, what would be your advice right now we're past the hair on fire stage to companies trying to look to q3 q4 2021 like how do you completely retool your thinking right around some of these things that we take for granted
0: they say the uh, necessity is the mother of invention uh Mm -hmm. and i couldn't i couldn't think of a better a, a better way to think forward so Let's let's let me take a step back because there's there's opportunity, like you said, necessity, and there's also stages. Uh, so, like you said, the hair on fire stage uh, in the novel economy, I talk about survival, uh, then being alive uh, and then aiming to thrive. And this this plays out between now and say anywhere between 24 to 36 months, because we're not going to move that. We're not going to move that quickly. Uh, in that time, we're still sort of in the early phases because much of the world is still in lockdown mode. And it's really difficult to assess what's going to be longer term behaviors right now in terms of what customers do want, what they don't want, how employees want to work, how they don't want to work. Uh, What what I can't emphasize enough is as we start to plan for not just now, but forward. We have to look at data in an entirely new way. It's the best, it's the best things we have and add to that AI and machine learning and you're know, really training it with these new filters, not the biased filters that we came into these times with. Because as of March 1st, 2020, so whenever you're listening to this, as of March 1st, 2020, we could look at that as the day the world changed from a data set perspective. So it's almost like you could throw all of your old data away and start all over again uh, and start to look at the patterns that are changing now so that we can also, you know, with predictive analytics, look at the, the changes that are coming. The reason I say that is because uh, I published a, a piece in CIO recently that looked at how shopping has already changed. How e-commerce was already on a on a trajectory to to not rival physical commerce, but it was showing incredible promise for where it was going to be. And suddenly it's hockey stick uh, since March 1st. And it's only going to continue to do that as, as until we have a a vaccine uh, and and hopefully people don't deny its existence and we take it and we establish uh, a a safer place to, to, to get back to, to life outside. uh, People are going to be weary of shopping uh, and, and and also behaving the way that they used to. So this means that digital becomes more important than ever before. So understanding those behaviors. And then lastly, splitting your digital transformation strategy at least into two parts. I, I call it bimodal digital transformation. This is something that was also inspired uh, in, in my work at, at Salesforce, is that you have now new standards for operational excellence. You have a remote workforce. You have e-commerce that's soaring through the roof. You have service now that has to really rely on digital. Uh, So automation and AI and chatbots, all of these things that are now taking priority. So you have operational excellence that you have to focus on. And then you have this new customer and these new employee behaviors that are emerging. So how can we use digital uh, to essentially... what's the best way to put this? To innovate in new business models and new business services. So these two things become absolute priorities for the organization to not just uh, serve the necessity, but also start to carve out a new place in these new and emerging markets.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good distinction. We've, we've heard, um, You know, we've heard digital transformation a lot as a term, but most often what we find is it's actually digital optimization, right? Because you're just overlaying technology onto your existing processes. I think what you're saying is you got to you know, rip out those processes and it's how does digital completely retool entirely new operations, entirely new processes.
0: Yeah. Or said another way, digital transformation itself was digitally disrupted, right? It exposed right. everything that was lackluster, outdated, outmoded, uh, and also not, targeted for the world that we were going on. And I think you put it, you, you put it perfectly. It's not like we weren't going to, to be digital uh, as a society. It's just absolutely accelerated. What's also yes. disrupted is behaviors. This is why digital transformation, I, I think I fr- wrote my first report on the subject in, I don't know, 2012 somewhere between 2012, 2014. And in that very first report, it said digital transformation can only be effective if we looked at it from a human lens. Mm -hmm. And that human lens was the digital customer and the digital employee, uh, because it gave us a sense of purpose and a sense of vision for why we were doing this and where we were going and what those stages look like. And shortly after that, I published the six stages of digital transformation to help guide all stakeholders it wasn't just cios but all stakeholders to build this digital business moving forward but here we are it's uh it's almost like it's almost like i could re i could republish that research and align it with today's narrative and that 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 roadmap that roadmap would still work it's still even though we're disrupted by a a virus it's still human-centered that's the that is the best sense of purpose to guide us moving forward.
1: Yeah, and I think from the front lines, we've seen that. So I'm very intrigued by the the March 1st, 2020 is sort of like the, the zero day or uh, the zero hour after the podcast. So we suddenly started getting questions from global 100 banks and uh, life science companies wanting to use WhatsApp. These are heavily regulated industries that this was like a glimmer in an eye on a future roadmap many years out, right? They're not known for being ships that turn very quickly. And then suddenly after March, it's like all of my customers in region use WhatsApp. I don't have a physical call center anymore. Everyone's at home. How do I reach them? I need WhatsApp for customer care. Or my sales reps are stuck at home. People are stuck in their houses. We don't have these live events anymore. They need WhatsApp. It was just... But that's a very human need, right? That's the channel that my customer is on. And I was sort of head in the sand, didn't really want to acknowledge it, didn't want to contend with it. And now this is the forcing mechanism, or as our CTO calls it, a break the glass moment. Like you got to reach for the tools that you can uh, in this time. And you know that that's a truly transformative move. It's not like they're just going to turn WhatsApp on for two months because it's such a heavy lift for them that it's going to be a substantial transformation.
0: Gosh, as, as you were talking, I'm thinking about what a perfect what a perfect place for you uh, to be in uh, because you you help enable uh, that type of move safely and securely. Because then, in especially, if there's a reason why those are uh, highly regulated.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's been crazy. I, I wonder too.
0: Leading into this, you know, it, it's a demonstration of just how much time I think we thought we had. Uh, that yes. this was a glimmer or a beacon of light somewhere down some somebody's roadmap in the future. But if, if you go back to the, what you said, which was everybody used his WhatsApp, now suddenly we have to use WhatsApp. It's exactly the metaphor for all digital transformation and, and essentially business itself. We were putting into markets processes and systems that we expected people to continue to navigate And to accept the fact that we're regulated, we're slow, we're big, Mm. we have many priorities, so we can't deliver to you the most intuitive and natural experience that you want, even though your life outside of engaging with us is completely different, we expect you to compromise those standards to do business with us. That's essentially what we've been saying. Uh, And now we can't say that anymore. So... This is why I'm on the human centered platform. It's that people have been changing for a very mm-hmm. long time. Now I, I want to go back to March first. So this is the digital anthropologist in me. This is really what inspired the novel economy, uh, and 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 I, I'm I'm going to publish something about this that's much more formal, so that it gives people hopefully a, a roadmap to move forward with purpose. When we look at how people changed on March 1st, when they entered lockdown, why data is so important today. I call it data-driven empathy because we can't just look at ones and zeros. We have to look at what are the reasons people are changing and what that means. So we, we entered lockdown and that became essentially this whole experience has become a somatic uh, marker in all of our lives all around the world it's 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 an emotional bookmark that is forever going to be tied to deep emotional visceral responses we will never forget this and so in that moment as human beings as a society we've changed we will never look at toilet paper the same way again (laughs) we'll never take paper towels for granted we'll think in the back of our mind differently about stuff we used to take for granted in all of life. Uh, This becomes really important because as we stay in lockdown, it takes about 66 days on average for behaviors to change to the point where it's second nature. You don't even realize that those those have changed. Uh, And so all of this stuff means that society itself is resetting what it values. Uh, Of course, individually, that'll play out uniquely as well. So this now means that as an organization, how you did business, what you stood for, what you represented, your brand pillars, even your service standards, your marketing standards, everything now has to be reset for a new customer, for a new world that wants you to connect with them at that level that is essentially the campfire, the campfire that is that somatic marker. Mm-hmm. So this, is a, this is an opportunity to take all this digital conversation that we're having and to be more relevant uh, and to be more, um, you know, empathetic is, is a word I think people use too much, but it's truly the right word to be more empathetic, but then also to open your, to be vulnerable for the customer to say, we're changing too, and we're changing because of you.
2: That's so great. And the, everything that you're talking about, the research you're putting out, this is exactly what organizations need as we're going through this period of disruption. Uh, you've, you've talked a little bit about uh, your past work and experience, and you're at Salesforce now, but I'd love for you to share the story of how you got to this point. You know, what What keeps you going and, and where you think you're going to go next in your career?
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, uh... boy. Hold on a second. Let me reach over for my crystal ball. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it's not plugged in. Uh, Okay, I'll have to wait. (laughs) I've always been inspired by the human side of technology. So this goes back to the 90s. Uh, It started with Web 1.0 and really starting to see how you know, the internet in those days, consumer facing internet was really starting to change how people shopped, how they thought, how they connected. You know, it only accelerated with mobile and social media. And uh, now, now, you know, in in this pandemic and thinking deeply uh, and reflecting also deeply, not just about how the world is changing, but also how I personally need to change along with it. uh, Right now, the idea of experience, I think, is more profound than than it has been in my work in, in recent years. Uh, so much so that I am torn about which way I want to move forward uh, in terms of my next book, my next big my next big platform. Coming into this, I had written a book called Life Scale, and you know, I've, I actually credit Life Scale to leading me to Salesforce it was the journey that I put myself on to where I wanted my life to be, to then do the things every day to scale your life towards that direction. Uh, I have some very dear friends uh, like Bala Afshar at Salesforce, who was very instrumental uh, John Tashik as well, very instrumental in m- bringing me uh, to, to Salesforce. The thing about life scale was that I was also trying to move beyond it. Um, it had it had, really steered me in a direction that I didn't foresee. I'm very, uh, very thankful for that experience in my life. But before Lifescale, I was trying to write a book about next generation experience design, something that I was calling Human Experience or HX. Uh, and the book before Lifescale was called X, Experience When Business Meets Design. So I'm kind of painting this picture for you because it sets the stage for where where I, where I want to go next. Life scale though, has in its own weird way reared its head again. Uh, and it is because of the lockdown that people are now starting to see the struggles of living a fully digital immer- uh, immersive life, uh, how that's affecting them personally, uh, how that's affecting them creatively. And, you know, long story short, digital does have effects on how we think and how we operate, how we work how we create, how we don't, how we communicate. And in some cases, it actually takes away from the depth of allowing yourself to be in a moment, be present, be fully you, uh, or even know what fully you means. Uh, and so life scale now has become a topic that a lot of folks want to talk about. So, for example, I just gave a presentation to the uh, the San Jose Sharks organization about how to think about their relationship now that they're working from home, plus also uh, entertaining themselves uh, with the same devices. Uh, where where to strike not only that balance, but also to think about how we take control of these devices to purposely, you know, establish a trajectory that's healthy for everybody and great for everybody and productive so it's one of the reasons why you know, you can see it behind me uh because it's 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 become a huge topic all over again so with all that said um it's now influencing how i think differently about human experience moving forward uh, to know that the somatic marker, know that now digital is becoming even more of uh, an important pillar in how we think as customers and how we think as employees, to know that behind the scenes that there are incredible distractions and anxieties that are happening in our relationship with technology, that we have to reimagine then uh, how to establish digital experiences for customers and employees that, are, that, that bring to light are the things that we haven't been dealing with. So uh, that I feel better when I use digital. That I'm encouraged to be more present and mindful when I'm when I'm working. That I learn the things that help me close the fifty thousand tabs I have open on my browser to focus on one thing and give that one thing my very best. Uh, to essentially be the light in in ways where people are pulled in a million dir- different directions because that is normal, uh, but that's not in our own best interest. So. That's one platform. And the next platform is really looking then at uh, the umbrella of the novel economy. Uh, Underneath that umbrella, looking at for IT, bimodal digital transformation and helping guide their decisions incrementally forward, right? So iteration and innovation. Looking at this new customer to help design new uh, products and services, innovate in terms of service and experience design. Uh, And then also exploring Uh, this new future and and how we could propel ourselves forward. And in that regard, it's both infrastructure-wise and then also what the new world could look like. Uh, Can I tackle that at all in one book? Probably not. But one thing that really, uh, uh, some way, shape, or form, I'm going to start to crank this out, is around this idea of moving towards a cognitive enterprise that's human centered because automation is soaring in terms of adoption right now, because it, it, it has to, but what I don't want to see happen is that automation displaces uh, the human workforce simply because it, it, it can, in some regards, what I want it to do is steer employee productivity, employee creativity in new directions to be in front of automation so that we get better machine human engagement that it brings to light all of the things that we couldn't have even with human beings, for example, you know, when's the last time you called a contact center and walked away smiling? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it, we just, we just lost the humanity in all of these things. And so I want to make sure that humanity is front and center as we start to think about AI automation and the cognitive enterprise. And then lastly is sort of helping, helping inspire a more creative centric world uh, of work, of life uh, and reimagining what it's like to actually be with someone and to give them your full attention and your full presence because I think it's been a long time since since we had that and I've never I've never seen so many statements online these days when I uh, when I come outside the first thing I'm going to do is hug a stranger Uh, I just I'm going to do the work that hopefully means that we don't forget that is important every day
2: that's just incredible.
1: And there's a whole bunch of fascinating conundrums uh, or a, not conundrums dichotomies maybe. So, you know, two things that have done really well, for example, streaming subscriptions and bikes, right? Like, Cause it's like, <laughs> you know, I'm stuck at home. I'm going to walk fine. I'm going to cave. I'm getting Disney plus. Uh, I got to put the kids in front of something. And also like, I got to get out of my house or buy a bike, but also I would, I, my prognostication here is I would be intrigued to see if time on site in social media apps actually goes down because people are so in it right now. Is there like a counterpoint for like when the doors open, you're like, no, I don't want to look at Instagram right now. I just want to like have a picnic (laughs) or, you know, Um, (laughs) but then when it comes back to business, I think what you were saying very much rings true for the business economy There is manufacturing, of course, but there is so much of it is, you know, what is economists call sort of knowledge workers, right? It's people that have to decide on processes and make business decisions. And there is this pressure to use digital, which means you're always on. But the reality is that a lot of that business work requires extremely deep thinking and you need time and space. You need like an hour to like sit with documents and kind of synthesize new arguments or new strategies and not have 50,000 tabs open because doing 50,000 things, 25% is actually not very productive in the end. You know, that's, it's just a fascinating, uh, I guess, I mean, that's the best word for a dichotomy that flips between the digital and the analog or sort of the, the multifaceted and the singular you know, I think that these are really not true opposites. They're probably parts of a whole.
0: I really appreciate your comment. Uh, I, I love, I love the idea of uh, you know being analog. Uh, and if you think about sort of the mental model that you just just played out, that's a, that's a mindful, intentional decision you've made, which was to get a bike and go outside and put your phone down. Uh, it's very difficult for people to get there, even though we do see people going out and walking and enjoying themselves and talking in ways that we, you know, not necessarily have seen. We have to remember that there are, there are uh, devices working against us by design. Uh, And so what, this was the whole purpose of LifeScale. It's not just that easy to say, I'm going to do this. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat—a lot of these are applications that are purpose-built with persuasive design because they—they have to change your behaviors. They have mm-hmm. to—they have to get your attention. Uh, you talked about streaming. Netflix once joked that uh, that their biggest competitor was sleep, and they're <laughs> winning. Uh, and so Netflix does compete against Instagram and, and TikTok and you know essentially you know the commodity that is traded in this market is attention uh, because it's a currency. So with that said, this is, this is why it's a good time for self-reflection. It's a good time to learn and unlearn. It's a good time to think about uh, knowing that we're, we live in an automated world. Uh, What, what as an individual can I invest in myself to, uh, to grow in directions that are going to help me thrive in this new world? Uh, And that, I hope I hope this is this is a time that people don't just lose themselves in in, in escapism. And I get it; it's it's uh, it's how we might cope with these difficult times. Uh, I've, I've, I'm sitting on a stack of Westworld episodes I really want to get to, uh, but I've made the mindful decision uh, to look at things that I've had on my to-do list for a really long time that I never gave attention to. Uh, I saw a funny thing uh, as a friend of mine shared uh, It said, you know, now that I've been at home uh, all of these weeks, I, uh, I set out to finally t- tackle the challenge of organizing my house that's, you know, that I've been meaning to do for years. And I realized that time wasn't the problem.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, there are a lot, of, a lot of house projects getting ticked off and you're like, oh, that thing that I've been putting off for three years only took me two solid hours to do. I just <laughs> needed the two hours to do it.
0: Exactly. So I, I, I think it just comes back to saying you know, where, I, I don't know, I mean, just get philosophical again. I, I think one of the things I learned when I went through the life scale journey was where I was and where I thought I was were two very different places uh, and also who I thought I was and how the world saw me or who I really was also uh, were two very different people. Uh, and that, that just has to do with the pace of life and keeping up with technology and doing all of these things that are pulling us in many, many different directions and our body and our brains is sort of accelerating and speeding up and chemically rewiring and mentally rewiring. In order to keep up with all these things to the point that it happens over the course of 10 years 12 years that we don't realize where we've gotten and where we were trying to go so coming back to your point about getting the bike uh you know i hope the world uses that as a metaphor to say yeah where what what could i be doing um in addition to the things that i need to be doing so that i can grow in a way that makes me much more valuable to my
1: loved ones but also in the market No. Well, Brian, it has been a pleasure, as always. Um, thank you very much for taking the time uh, out of your morning to, to talk with us about some pretty heady stuff. Um, it's,
0: uh, yeah, next yeah. time, let's do this in the afternoon. Um, yeah. My bad. First, you know, I don't know if my brain was on, uh, on fire, but no, hey, uh, not to interrupt, but I just wanted to thank you as well. It's, these types of conversations, I, I, I find personally um, motivating. Uh, They get me to think and reflect and actually have a whole mental list of things that I want to revisit uh, in terms of uh, content to get, to get this, this story out beyond the podcast. So thanks for asking some great questions uh, and and thanks for spending time with me.
1: Absolutely. Well, until uh, next time, stay safe, stay healthy. Same to your family, your loved ones. And uh, I hope we talk again soon. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see you at foreign cinema. All right. All right. See you, Brian.
2: Thanks for joining. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. Thank you. And that wraps another episode of The Zero Hour brought to you by Safeguard Cyber. Many thanks to Abby Bruce for sound design and production, Mattias Cefaletti for our theme music, and to our guests, as always, for lending their time and insights. Stay safe stay strong. This is The Zero Hour, signing off for now.